It's the other three amigos lost Damas podcast with Damien Sheenan, Declan McCormick, and Eileen Ring. Two lads, one lady. This is the other three amigos podcast. Lost Damas. Welcome to this week's Last Damas, where a former host returns to say goodbye. We talk priorities. There's a tribute and an offer to Zara Foley. We take a look at the international side and Eileen Gleeson's role going forward. We look at fixture scheduling and who's responsible for this nonsense of the season. We take a quick look back at the Shamrock Rovers Cup game, a look ahead to the Athlone game on Saturday. John still loves Karen Duggan, Eileen still loves Shells, and Mrs. Ring loves Kieran Kilduff. Welcome to this week's Last Amos. My Mammy Loves. Just before you start, it's uh, Damien here, by the way, guys, and I would just like to say goodbye to everyone in Last Damas as well, because I said goodbye to everyone in the main pod. Um, so I'm going to hand you, it is my last, but due to work commitments, I must leave the ToeTap world and go on to different, maybe I won't say better things, but different things. So um, Decky, Decky had a few tears last night, but uh, I think he's all teared out. Eileen, John... John, we've never done a pod together, but look, you know, I, I listen, I listen, I, I'm always listening to you. You're a man of magic words. And um, Eileen, yeah, just Eileen. Anyway, um, anyway, enjoy you the made, pod, guys. You made me cry. That's <laughs> Damas. Take it away, Declan. I hand over the torch to you. Thanks, Damien. Just, um, I'm completely thrown out because it's killed my opening segue completely because that's what I was going to talk about. And he's just arrived on himself and once again taking the spotlight. So, Totappers, welcome to Last Damas, episode 162, all in. If I can ask you to retweet this, please, it's the only way for us to gain more listenership. I'll introduce my two amigos. Well, one amigo and one amiga are now infamous amiga. Eileen Ring, how are you this week? Good. Now, after the Ireland match, I'm better than I was last night anyway. Better than you were last night as well. But Very good. Like and yeah, we should mention... we. <laughs> oh, don't mention that pod. Don't mention the war. Yeah, that was that was tough going last night. That was tough going last night. I was just going to say we've inverted everything think, this week I think because the opening ten minutes, your opening ten minutes last night is the greatest ten minutes in podcast history. I think. <laughs> That's so yeah, sure about that. I mean, oh, like when you start with a story about a septic tank being emptied, you're probably on dodgy yeah, ground from there. On, to be honest, you know. Um, but look, yeah, th- this week we have inverted things that are a bit all over the place because unfortunately Eileen was ill on Sunday night. Then last night the men's game was on, so we recorded the men's pod. So it's now Tuesday night this week that we are recording this Last Damas podcast. John O'Sullivan, how was your week been we so know? far? Um, I actually don't have the bounce of the Ireland women's Ireland game. I don't even know the score because I was out coaching. Um, I didn't see it. So I am um, still wallowing in um, the misery from last night and the men's game. Okay. Well, look, John, unfortunately, they were beaten 3-0 by Hungary. Um, Hungarian striker V. Pau got a hat-trick. Um, perfect hat-trick. One with her head, one with her foot, right foot, one with her left foot. Um, perfect hat-trick. Look, we might discuss that later on. No, Ireland won 4-0, John, um, quite easily. So all's good on the international front. Guys... It's time to get on with the pod. Let's go! 
So our under-19s lost 2-1 at home to Shells on Sunday. Laura Shine with the goal for City, but a last-minute winner for Shells denied City a share of the spoils. Um, there was a number of the senior players started this game, obviously with no senior game last weekend. It was a good opportunity. Um, Kira Senna, Neil Cotter, Aaron O'Brien, Alex Mendes all started. Ellie O'Brien came on as a substitute. But the one that caught my eye is Avine Donnelly played and is back involved. Um, obviously, Avine is in college in Cork and had obviously moved home for the summer, but is back involved. So I presume we could expect to see Avine involved for the senior team against that loan on Sunday on the basis that she played for the under-19s last weekend. Yeah, you would think so. Um, as you said, look, she was obviously at home for the summer, probably was keeping fit there, but it's about getting game time and um, like that 19s game is a perfect opportunity to get a lot of players maybe that hadn't, even, hadn't started games. And I know Alex had been out for the Shamrock Rovers game as well, so it was a good opportunity for her to play. So um, yeah, look, when we when we have the opportunities to use the underage games like that, I think it's great. It's not something that we often have. Normally, it's probably the other like it's the other way that the 19s team is hit so it was good for them to get a chance to said get get that game time and to get starts for girls who haven't in the last couple of weeks at senior level as well speaking of the under 19s team being hit john next weekend is the national cup semi-final where they play wexford at two o'clock on sunday but of course the senior team have a game at home against Athlone on saturday which are you prior? Which are you prioritizing? And then independently, which do you think the clubs will prioritize? I would personally prioritize the nineteen semi final. I think that group's been together a long time and um, had a re. A lot of those players pushed um, shells quite close last year in the under seventeen cup final, and I think it would be nice them to finish out in their 19s. A lot of them obviously are, it's their last year in, in 19s. I think Chubb will prioritise the senior game and that's not really a surprise. Um, that's probably what the the headline, you know, would would be the next week, you know, and next week in the papers if if you rested all the 19 players that we're now reliant on and you end up getting battered by Athlone, it probably looks worse for the club, you know, um, in the long term, because there's probably not as much of a focus on the 19s, but I'd like to see the club finish up with some silverware this year. And I think, said it a good few times, I think if you have that 19 team together, they'll be Wexford. So, Eileen, would you agree with John? Would you personally be prioritizing an under 19 National Cup semi final over the senior team? Or do you think there's an onus on the club as a National League side to to prioritize the, the National League? I think it's a really difficult one for me. I think the under nineteens have been so badly hit this season, um, like week on week, that like they've been really decimated at times that I think given it it's a cup and you're so deep in it that they should probably get preference. But like it's it's a hard one to argue if the club stick with the senior side. Um it is kind of a hard one to argue with, I think. Um and as you said, look, there's an integrity of a competition and things like that as well. But I suppose that that could be argued both ways as well. But um I think for the players, and as John said there, like for the players who've played underage together, they'd, they'd like to finish on a high. Like So I think for them, it would be good if they were given that opportunity. But I suppose time will tell at the weekend. We could always just do what Wexford do and just play them both all the time. <laughs> both games. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is there a third game, Wexford? Could you some of those players in over the weekend yeah. any chance? So <laughs> then the under-17s had a good 2-0 win against Piedmont um, on Saturday. McCarthy and Sheehan with the goals. And we had spoken about a big top-of-the-table clash against Treaty in Limerick, which was on last weekend when we weren't around. But that game finished in a two-all draw, with City having been two down with nine minutes to play. But again, Sheehan and uh, Finnerty with the late goals keeps them two points behind Treaty in that league. Um, John, that two-all draw on Treaty was a massive result the way that game played out for the under-17s. I mean, as I said, two down with nine minutes to go away from home, pull it back to two-all. Huge amount of character shown there by that side. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, Sean Sheehan is on fire at the moment. She obviously picked up the under-17 player of the month as well for August. Um but yeah, nine minutes to go away to treaty, and you're you, you're basically you're you're out of your contention for the top spot if you lose, and to pull that back and then back it up with the win against Piedmont at the weekend. Now I, I think Craig built a really special squad there, and um, considering they are so young, um, a lot of them are only fourteen and fifteen coming into the club this year, so um, not exception. Couple of results. Yeah, last time we were here. Um we spoke about Zara, Zara Foley, and you know I asked Eileen about her possible return from injury this year. And since that podcast was released, unfortunately, Zara has announced her retirement from competitive football. Jerry Desmond was on to me. Um, Jerry, who's an absolute treasure um, when it comes to Cork City Football Club, was on, and he gave me some some very very interesting stats for Zara so she made 63 league appearances for Cork City 59 as a starter and four from the bench scoring one goal she made nine appearances in different cup competitions eight starts one from the bench um, again with one goal so in total played 72 times for City 67 starts five appearances from the bench and two goals. She made her debut in a 6-2 win away at Kilkenny United on the 8th of July 2018, aged only 16. Don't believe she ever played under 17 or under 19 for the club, just went straight into the first team squad. She had one senior cap versus Poland in October 2018, which was only three months after her league debut. Five under 17 international caps and seven under 19 international caps. It's some record for a girl who's still only 21, Eileen, and unfortunately, she's had to step away from the game, which is heartbreaking for her and I guess people at the club as well. Yeah, and like I think when you talk about the numbers there that she's had and then you say the fact that she's only still only 21 and it's not only that, but like she's had an awful lot of injuries as well. So she's missed long periods. So like to get the numbers that she has there, but like, it's it's devastating for her. I obviously look for everyone around her, um, but mostly for her. Look, I'm not comparing myself to Sarah Foley because I wouldn't lace her boots. But like, I had to step away from from as as a player at the game young, and it's really really difficult because your entire identity can be wrapped up as with within a sport. Um, especially as he said, I felt that, and I I wasn't playing at a high level. Um, and that's what I, something I found really difficult for to deal with afterwards when you're young and that you're this person and you play football and that's going to be, that is something that is there with Sarah without a shadow of a doubt because she's played at such a high level um, and it said like she was always this big name coming through in Cork and obviously like getting capped at senior level so young. 
you're like be thinking of massive things and I'm sure she was herself and, and dreaming of massive things and it's not just a pipe dream maybe that us average players might have had but it, it was very much could have been a reality for her and to have it taken away just something that's so out of your hands is I think it's really devastating um, and while I know there's like to be fair to the club I think have seemed to be doing everything try to keep her involved coaching wise um, for me the most important thing now is to just make sure that she's dealing with it all all right and she's managing it right because it is really, really difficult. Um, and there's always time to step into coaching later, but sometimes it, it might be no harm to just kind of remove yourself from the environment and kind of wrap your head around it. But I'm sure, look, while she can't play football, I know she's a very high-level uh, martial artist as well and look, hopefully that she can maybe fall back into that or, or find another sport um, that maybe won't be as taxing on her physically and that she would be able to get around the injury with because um, obviously an, an incredible athlete. And I think you could see all the players, the way they spoke about her afterwards, it's not, they're not speaking about her as a player, they're speaking about her as a person um, and how good she is. And Danny speaks about her as well, how good an influence she is around and what a loss she is in that sense. So look, hopefully she's somebody we'll see back involved in the club and coaching. But as I said, for now, for me, just be that she minds herself and gets herself right because I think it's really, really hard. Yeah, John, I mean, that's it's not for us to speculate or, you know, talk about her injuries or anything else. But it does seem like for somebody who's only 21, it's a very, very mature decision to make and probably a decision beyond one that most 21 year olds will be capable of making, if that makes sense in terms of, you know, I have to step away here for my my health in, in future years, maybe not my health now directly, but to stop it impacting me in later in later years I, I must make a decision now and there's there's a level of maturity required to make that decision and I think the fact that she's taken it and made it and and look obviously she's I presume devastated but it gives an insight into a strong character and a strong mindset that will hopefully allow her to as Eileen said excel in other areas of life going forward yeah yeah no I, I look she's I think that the biggest compliment that you could pay to her is what Eileen's been saying to the last couple of pods is that if it wasn't for the injuries, we wouldn't have seen her in Cork City for very long because she'd be abroad. She'd have the world of caps behind her. Um, and taking, like Eileen said, that that was a realistic dream for her. Um, whereas for a lot of people, it's just, a, you know, a pipe dream. But yeah, to to have to step away and to have the maturity to, to put her long-term health first is, is massive. Um, obviously she'd be missed massively her own place and exceptional talent. Yeah, and just wish her all the best. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we just echo everybody else's best wishes to Zara and um <laughs> actually I'm just taking out here on the fly as we sit here, just going we're probably rejigging everything next year. So Zara, if you ever want to go podcasting, there's room in Totaf Towers for you definitely next year to be a seat in the uh Lost Damas coach for you if you ever want to take it up. Look, okay, we'll move away from the unfortunate news. Guys, we haven't before, and I kind of just want to touch on the national scene and everything that's gone on over the last three weeks. Eileen, 3-0 victory over Northern Ireland on Saturday, a 4-0 win away in Hungary tonight. It's been a bad few days for the the Maz and Daz of Facebook and Twitter who suddenly all seem to have lost their 
logins and are no longer giving out about Diane Caldwell or Katie McCabe or any other the selfish players who've horsed Vera Poe under the bus. Yeah, they're giving out about um, zombie now, I think, Dolores is yeah, taking um, the brunt yeah, of their yeah. frustrations at the moment. But um, yeah, look, it's, I suppose, it was, to me, it, it, it was mad stuff. Like, I think um, Diane Caldwell came out and people are probably know nothing about women's football, didn't even know we had a women's football team until the World Cup, or suddenly saying she's a disgrace and she's this and she's that. And like, she's 99 caps for her country. She went out and I think that press conference for me, like she showed incredible leadership because she took one for the team. That was the feeling of the entire squad. Um, the only thing I probably would have kind of questioned her saying is we did it in spite of her coaching. I think that puts maybe an unnecessary pressure on them um, going forward. But look, everything else she spoke about was all from a footballing point of view Um they wanted more, they wanted better. And you have to bear in mind, like all these players are, they're professional footballers playing at really high level, playing at high, like incredible clubs with outrageous setups. So they're used to seeing things done in a certain way. And when like you're traveling to World Cup without nutritionists, without things like that, strength conditioning, like there's there's a little, that is, a, that is worrying. And look, I think I've, look, it's no secret I wasn't a massive Vera Pau fan, but I do have a lot of respect for what she achieved with the side, but I think the World Cup for me was always her natural end. Um, I don't think, I, I could see a lot of people saying on Twitter, now we're playing this great style of football and like we, we've, we've been brilliant in the last two games. We have played a lovely style of football, but the other side of it, and to give credit to Vera Pau, you couldn't have played that style of football against the teams you're playing. So like there has to be the little bit of give and take and look, they'll find their feet Um whoever the manager is but I think this was the Colin Healy effect like he's in there now and seven goals none conceded two wins what can we say um we'll take full credit for that I think um but no look it's I think it's I think with the national side it's it's really positive the nature of I think not just Ireland is kind of like we're waiting to cut people down instead we could see it there after the rugby at the weekend as well there's just like it's some people just like giving out as well um but I think they let their football do the talking and it was really, really positive and I think really exciting things to come from from this side. And I would think we'll see that management team in place probably until the end of the Nations League. And I think maybe they'll go from there because it's the FAI, like, should they never do anything? Kind of, they're not going to suddenly come in with a massive name. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so I, I think they'll probably leave um, um, Eileen, Eileen Gleeson there. Okay. I was, gonna, I, was, I was going to come back to that in a minute, but I might as well do it now. And I'll stick with you, Eileen, if that's okay, because I have another question for John in a second. Lisa Fallon last week was 8-15 to 15 in the bookies to be the next Irish manager. I mean, she was money on, absolute good thing, according to lots of people around the place. That would be a massive backward step, wouldn't it? Like- yeah, look, from, from my personal opinion, yeah, I, I, that wouldn't be the right appointment for me anyway. I I'm like at the moment like obviously Eileen Gleason's doing doing a great job but I think she has a big job in the FAI that's a perfect role for her um, and I think a really important role for her so like at the same time I think she's come in and she's been quite clever with the team she's brought in like bringing in someone like Colin Healy bringing in Emma Byrne although like she hasn't a massive history of coaching she's so like they all like anybody any woman that's kicked a ball in Ireland loves Emma Byrne because she is 
she's a legend like she's a genuine legend like and she has fought so much to bring on the standards in this country that like she naturally commands respect and she knows what it means and she's so that's a really clever thing Colin Healy's brilliant obviously we know that and um, she's after bringing in strength conditioning performance coach that was with the Brazilian national team like there's just she's brought in some really good people around her so yeah look for me and it's not being disrespectful to Lisa Fallon but like what has she done as as a football manager um I she hasn't really done anything like I think she's a very she's an excellent performance or opposition analyst I think but like for me like no it is it's one step forward two steps back and like as I said before I wasn't a Vera Powell fan but credit to her she caught we qualified for World Cup under her but now we have to push on so that means like if you're looking outside it has to be a big name not just oh we'll just throw her in there for the sake of it like we've, we've moved past that now like I think there'll be interest as well from I think there will be a lot of interest in that job John, just on Eileen Gleeson, because you're somebody who's working in, in women's football and working in, with underage and everything else. Where long-term is the best place for Eileen Gleeson within the FAI structures? Is it as national team manager or is the job she has as the head, basically the person who's responsible for the development of women's football in this country, Long term, does she have more value in that job and doing that job than she would have as manager of the national team? I, yeah, I think she's, I think Eileen is someone that's been an advocate for the quality of player and the quality or the potential that we have in Ireland for women's football for a long, long time. Um, And I think I think she will want that more strategic role is looking longer term around development of the game for women here um, because, to be honest, it's probably more secure is one thing, but also I think she's really well suited to it. Um, I'm, I no doubt that she would do a good job as national team manager, but a national team manager is always going to find some place or some time where they're under pressure and that, that role ends, whereas she can do a lot more good, I, I think, in the long term with that kind of more strategic role, which I think she's ideal for since she's been appointed to it. You know, so I, I wouldn't expect her, I, I would expect the FBI to be interested in her taking the managerial role, but not necessarily that she'd want to take that up with the other role she has within the FAR. It's a really good job for her. Yeah, that's fair enough. But I presume then if she's if she's not going to be the national team manager, and she may well be, that's a decision that won't, you know, will be made in the future. But if she's if it turns out that she's not going to be the, the national team manager, I presume she has to have a massive role and a massive hand in deciding who the next manager should be. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine she probably would be one of the key people. If she's not interviewing for it herself, she'll be one of the key interviewers of whoever, you know, they, they go they go and they pursue and she should be um that's what part of what her brief and what her role should be is if you're developing or if you're responsible for the development of kids in the slide of play from you know the disney playmakers process that they have now for girls under sixes all the way up to senior then you want to make sure that whoever's sitting at the top of that managerial tree is you know is aligned with what the, the country and what the fai want to do overall yeah, and I mean, for people who don't know, for people who've never been in Toe Tap Towers, when you walk in the big front doors of Toe Tap Towers and you head up the stairs, on both sides of the stairs, there's just numerous pictures of Colin Healy. Obviously, he was the first darling of Toe Tap and 
he has a pride of place within Totap Towers. So, Eileen, one thing that struck me today watching that game was it's a long time since I saw Colin Healy smile while just sitting on a bench. He was just relaxed. He was enjoying the game. He was smiling. He was having fun. It's just it's just great to see again because he's such a nice guy. He's such a good coach. Obviously, Eileen has seen something in him and given him the role, and it's 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 fantastic to see him evidently enjoying himself, um, fulfilling that role. Yeah, and look, it looks like a really positive environment as well. And I've spoke to a couple of people that are in the environment, and that's the one thing they've all come out and said that it's really, really positive and it's nice and relaxed and everyone's happy. And look for Colin Healy, I suppose. I don't think he ever really wanted to be a manager. Like he, he's a coach, and that's where he saw himself. Um, for me, it, it made perfect sense. It made I would have thought that would have always been his next move in into some job at the FEI coaching. One, of, I would have thought probably an underage lads, one of the men's teams, underage maybe. Um, but like for me, I was delighted to see him going into the women's game because I, I think he's brilliant. Like that, I said it. I, I loved him as a player. I loved him as a manager, and I think. He's a really he's he's a f- incredibly calm person, like, and I think as a coach, and maybe from the v- environment that they were in previously, that senior women's side, I I think an influence like his his around the place would be really really positive for them, and as I said, like incredibly knowledgeable, and you could see that when he was head of the academy, some of the players that came through our academy, like, and where they've gone on to since, um, so he's obviously very very good at what he does, and as you said. I thought the same today, especially tonight, like when he was sitting down and she was chatting to him, they were obviously talking, I think it was after the second goal and like, he just looked relaxed and he looked content and happy and that's brilliant to see because like the last few months at City were, were I'd say, really, really taxing for him. So it was great to see him just enjoying football again. Um, so long may that continue for him. Yeah, absolutely. And John, finally on the national team, do you think there's any way that they could find some room for Karen Duggan in the setup going forward? <laughs> um, I, I actually think she'd be great in there, to be honest, uh, especially given mean, she's not playing against us for Piedmont anymore. Um, it, I'd love to say, no, no she, she's actually, I, she, as, as a pundit, and, a, and look, as a leader on the pitch, as a pundit, she, uh, you know, for our team, something like that, she knows the game inside out. She knows players coming through. She knows who's strong around the league um, in particular. And, I imagine she's, Eileen probably would know better than I, but I'd imagine she's played with every single player in that squad in one sense or another. Um, so, yeah, no, she's a serious, serious option. Like, John. I'd have to get my, my posters on the wall updated. Like, but, um, I was just going to say, John John put up extra posters in the, in the office. Extra posters, I know it. yeah. I can, I can see it in your face, John. Extra posters <laughs> gone up in John's wall. I, I think she was putting herself forward for the water girl role. So like that'll <laughs> tell you maybe an awful lot about her character, but um, she'd be brilliant. But I think John just said it like for me, Karen Duggan, whatever about as a player, I think she's the best voice around the women's game in this country. She's, she's so, so knowledgeable and she just always talks sense. She probably talks so much sense that she aggravated the previous manager an awful lot of times, I think, but um, no, like she, she's a very, very good pundit. Okay. Um, very, very good pundit. Um, She's always worth a listen to, to be fair. I wonder, is she a fan of Lisa Fallon? I guess we'll have to wait to find out. I don't know. Exactly. We've finished the first half there, guys. We'll be back after a short break with a look back, quick look back on the Shams Cup game and a look forward to Kieran Kilduff's return to Cork on Saturday with his Athlone Town team. Back in a few minutes. Tappers, become an elite supporter of your favourite podcast by signing up to our Patreon. For 
as little as two euro a month, you can help us to continue to bring you all your favourite Cork City FC news and fun. Imagine life without Liam Bossen. Imagine not hearing Commie Watch. Well, it's time to stop being a tight arse and sign up to one of our five tiers. Each tier has different perks for you. Click the link on totap.ie or head to patreon.com forward slash totap. We're broke and poor and need your hard-earned cash. Guys, just want to take a very quick look back at the cup game. I know it was two weeks ago, but we didn't have a game last week. Beaten 5-0, but John, ironically, probably a better performance than the 4-0 defeat the week before. Funny can be a fu- Football can be a funny game that way a lot, can't it? Yeah, no, I thought we were I thought we were really good, actually. And it feels very strange to say that after a 5-0 loss, but no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Even though Rovers beat us by a goal more, I think we were an almost completely different team. Um, I think like at 2-0 down when Eva hit the crossbar and then 30 seconds later we hit the crossbar a second time. Like we we put it up to Rovers. I I I I'm sure you probably have the, the stats on it, but it felt like we were far more in that game, far more attacking, created way more chances um than we have in a lot of games this season against a really good side. And I, I look, I suppose the one thing is when Jesse was on the yellow card and the, the way she the way she's, you know, she look a very intense, aggressive style about her. She, she's not going to pull out of a tackle. She goes in hard. That was always going to be something to watch. It was a risk there. So I think probably fell apart a little when she when she was sent off. Um, and then we were trying to get back into the game. But overall, I thought it was a really good performance. And again, look, it feels weird to say it, you know, having lost 5 nil, but really, really good, to be honest. Eileen, you were at the game. It was in Bishop's Town. Was it strange to be back in Bishop's Town watching the senior game again? It was um, strange and it's triggering because when I saw Anya Garman in Bishop's Town, like she's haunted me out there like since the start of this <laughs> league. But um, no, like there was a great crowd out of it in fairness. Um, a really, really good crowd. Um, and look, I just echo what John said. Like it, it is weird, like after a 5-0 game to be like, oh, we played really well, but we did. And I think when Jesse was sent off and like, to be fair, Decky, I think you spoke about it last night about... Um, managing players and situations and I think when she was on a yellow they probably should have pulled her because she you could see she was getting a little bit agitated um and the nature of the player she is she she will go in hard and it's like with Damien Duff did with Paddy Barrett on Friday night sometimes you have to remove a player from a situation and um, before it happens but I think at the same around the time Jesse was sent off Lauren Walsh went off injured as well and um to losing the two of them and they had been both been playing quite well was um was really really hard but like just the difference was like Shamrock were very very clinical like they took their their opportunities but like we were very very good um we were so unlucky with the two good efforts that hit the crossbar and look I suppose it's those fine margins and that rub of the green that you just don't get when you're down in your luck but like much improved and I think if you went out and played like that against any other side, you probably would like it would be a lot closer. You'd be getting something out of a game, but um, it's it's about taking that forward. I think um, in, into the Athlone game now Saturday because there was an awful lot. If you park the scoreline, which we might just do going forward, just park the scoreline. <laughs> um, there was a lot of positives to be taken. Yeah, and look, I mean, talking about positives, and I'm going to break out in a rash after saying this now, but I, I must give the club some credit, or a lot of credit. Um, obviously, the game was moved from Turner's Cross 
look, whatever about the merits of that decision, we spoke about it on, on the men's pod. I personally, I think it was a bit of a joke. Um, but look, the club did what they needed to do. They got the stream up and running. That and it was a very good stream. They, you know, Joe Seward was able to do the commentary. So they put all the knocks behind them that 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 the women's team and the club received by not playing the game in Turner's Cross and put on quite a good show. Now, I don't know what it was like there because I couldn't go. I I, I had COVID, so I I wasn't going risking infecting people, etc. Um, so I didn't go to the game. But as I said stream was extremely good and I, I think the credit has to go to the club for that I believe the game on Saturday against that loan is still scheduled to take place in Turner's Cross so that's another positive is there anything else guys that you want to pick up on from that Shamrock Rovers game as I said I know it was a fortnight ago but is there anything that we have we, we, we've glossed over that you just want to raise from it no, not really to be honest at all it's all good and the okay. main like Eileen said it's bringing it into the Atlanta game now at the weekend is the is the key thing. Keep that better performance up. Speaking of the Atlone game, John, thanks for the segue. Works brilliantly for me. Atlone at Turner's Cross, half five Saturday evening. I was thinking about this while ago, and I believe Kieran Kilduff and Danny played together here in Cork, Eileen, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So I'm just thinking, this is the first time, I'm guessing it's the first time that Two guys who were teammates in the men's Premier Division have now faced off as opposing managers in the women's Premier Division. Yeah, I would think so. Because before Kieran, I don't think there was another... Yeah, no, I would say it, it definitely is the first time, yeah, in, in the women's Premier Division. Anyway. Yeah. And come here, is Kieran Kildoff, and I don't mean this in a negative way, or it's not a go, Kieran Kildoff, is he almost an accidental coach of Atlone Town, I mean? Because he was linked... Numerous times with the men's job at, at Athlone, the Athlone Town men's job, and that's where everybody kind of expected him to end up. And then all of a sudden, there was this announcement that caught a lot of people by surprise that no, no Athlone Town women's coach is Kieran Kildoff. And he's gone in there. He's, they, I think it's only um, three league games, even though he's there since the 28th of June. He's actually only coached in three league games a 2 0 win against Sligo, 2 1 defeat away at Shells, and a very impressive 5 0 defeat of Bowes at home last time out and there's two cup games in between as well where they beat Galway and Piemont both on penalties to make the National Cup semi-final so as I said it's it's, it's only five games but they've been an impressive five games and he's maybe showing that he does have something about him as a coach yeah um I have full disclosure now I'm going to be a little bit biased towards Kieran Kilduff because my brother and my mother will kill me if I'm not. Um, <laughs> but look, he got involved in the women's game last year. Um, he was coaching up in Maynooth. Um, he spoke about it, I think it was maybe LOI Central. He was yeah. speaking about it at the time. Um, and he was, he, he started going to a lot of Piedmont games because like Svear and McLaughlin and stuff are playing. So I don't think it's that he's an accidental coach. I think he probably got involved in the women's game um, through the colleges and pushed on from there. Um, like, look, he's had, he had an incredible career as a player and obviously has been dipping his toes in management um, up around Dublin and Kildare area as well in the men's game too. Um, and as you said, he what his hat was in the ring, I think, for that long men's job that time as well. But I think he's been really, really clever by bringing in friend of the podcast, Ken Kiernan from Shelburne, Ken was at Shelburne's underage 
And Ken, like, obviously, like, he's been around the underage leagues now for the last few years and they've brought down a couple of those players who would have played under Ken and, and, and wouldn't have been getting a game, probably Shelburne senior side. So, like, the likes of Katie Keane in goal and things like that. Like, that's really, really clever. Like, that's just... I think that's good management. Um, again, having the right team around you and maybe where... He, because he's only involved in the, in the women's game a shorter time, having someone that has that extra bit of knowledge there um, and that they can work really, really well together. And as you said, like that, like obviously aside from the cup game, knocking PM out, which is huge. Like I think that Bowes result in particular stands out because I don't think Bohemians have conceded many goals really all season. Like Rachel Kelly is probably high enough up in the list of most clean sheets. So to put five past them is, is, is incredible. But I think at loan, are a good side. I think he inherited a good side there as well. A little bit like the men's side, they seem to kind of dig players out of God knows where. Like they seem to have an awful lot of people from outside the country. I don't know what's going on in Athlone, but look, they seem to get an awful lot of it. They have a lot of Americans in there um, and very, very good Americans. Um, That girl is a Danish sheriff. She's been excellent this season. Maddie Gibson, she's brilliant. Um, Obviously, they still have Laurie Ryan and, and Miranda Vanny, who were two of the best players in the league last season. And the signings they made from Galway, like Chloe Singleton, is very, very good. So I just think they're a really strong, strong squad that he inherited. And as said, then you could put a stamp on it by bringing in some of the younger girls from um, Dublin as well, which they brought in um, in the summer break. So it's going to be tough. And I think Athlone's tails will really be up after that PML win because that was huge for them. Um, I think they probably players that were involved in the cup final last year will feel they left it behind them and um, so I think their tails will be really up on the back of that so it's, it's going to be a really tough game for yeah. us John allegedly rumour mill all those things Athlone have quite a decent budget in place um, for this year and they are paying some players decent money I know it's the age old question I'm going back to stuff we've spoken about a million times like, but is it fair to expect us to compete with them on Saturday? Um, yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I know Kieran Kudos has done a fantastic job since he's got in there, but uh, and probably has we lead into a cup final. They got Sligo Rovers in the semi final draw, which they'll be strong favourites for. But if you, I, I still think it's Bowes, a Bowes would have thought they would be in the semi final now as well, John. So just be careful. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I think the Bowes result is probably the one where you kind of step back and take notice. I mean, and, and for exactly the reasons Eileen said, um, we're up, like, and, and the P-Mount win, you know, was great, but it's still two penalty shootout wins and part of me will always go, okay, that's a draw really. So it's it's three draws, a win and a loss in their last five games and that will kind of set me up to be overly optimistic again about our own chances. Um, but I, I think on paper, there isn't a huge amount between the teams, to be honest. I think Atlone probably have that little bit more ability up top and definitely more clinical than we are, which is probably what I'd be worried about. Um, and we obviously have to rejig a little bit with Jesse out now. She'll have, her, have to serve a ban. But I'd be hopeful enough that we can compete. But I suppose, look, your question was, is it fair to expect it when they, there's a, that difference in budget? And again, it goes back to the same thing. If you know, if we were spending a little bit on a couple of players like they are, would we be up competing like they are? Um, and I, I think we probably would, because I mean, the, like Eileen called out, you know, four or five players there who are exceptional, despite this, I could have. 
Um, but they're quite young outside of that, um, a little bit like ourselves. So it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what, what would a Mur Devaney or a Maddie Gibson do in Cork and would that help bring on our players as well? Do you know, so it's, it's I think at loan kind of a, almost a little model of what we could be like if we were, you know, taking a chance on, you know, paying a couple of players, not everyone again, like we've always said in the past. Um, and I think they're, they show like last year and again this year that even losing um, just Hennessy to Rovers, like they, you know, it hasn't really affected them too much. So they're, they're a good template for what we could be doing, I think. Eileen, if you don't mind, I just want to go off on a tangent there as I love to do oh. and I'll whip back to the Athlone game in a minute. But just the fact there that I mentioned that um, Kieran Kilduff had come in on the 28th of June, I think it was announced. But they've still only played three league games under him. July, oh, like we're 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 what three months later now, is it? And there's only three league games played. I'm just wondering about the fragmented season. Like, is this season a load of nonsense? Fundamentally, I mean, there were seven weeks off for the World Cup. Back, played three league games, two cup games, week off for the Nations League. Next two weeks, play the next two weeks. Then there's the weekend of the cup semi-finals is off that weekend. Then there's a Wednesday night game, um, which is our game against Treaty, which is the 18th of October. And then in our case, after the Treaty game on the 18th of October, we don't play again until the 11th of November, which is three weeks later. And that's the last day of the season. Now, that's because we have our bye week in the middle of all that as well. But there's another weekend off there for the next round of the Nations League game. So, like, as I said at the very start of this, is the whole season and the way it's been fragmented fundamentally a load of nonsense? I think it's it's mad. And I think it's really, really difficult for sides because, as you said, they break for seven weeks. You have to, you're finishing now. You're essentially going into another mini pre-season. And I'll take P-Mount for argument's sake. They played last week. Then you have this international break. Then their break, their free week is the week after. So they're not playing then again till October. So they nearly go all of September without a game. Um, as you said, like we do the same towards the end of October. It's desperate. I don't know who sat down. I don't. I, am I nobody sat down. Nobody sat down. That they sat nobody down. I uh, like like there's nobody could have logically sat down and said this is a great layout for a season. It's desperate and it's. I think it's really tough on players it's really tough on clubs to try to you're trying this is the top level in this country and we're trying to we're talking about an international side and our international side competing and if you look at our international side how many of them have come through this league so for our international side to be better our league needs to be better for our league needs to be better then give the players a chance like don't go out and stack the odds against them that they're going to pick up injuries instead it's, it's such a big thing in the women's game at the moment like injuries and like when you're, it's so stop start. Like I had a conversation with somebody who works in strength and conditioning in one of the clubs, and he just said it was really, really hard. Like to try to that big break in the middle, and then it's so fragmented even from here on in. As you said, if you're not in the cup, if your free week falls in the middle of it, and then you have more international breaks, it's really difficult. I, like it has to be better thought out next season. And like that seven weeks off for the World Cup was was nonsense. It was like it was. It was not necessary. Um, there was two players in the league went, um, and while obviously you shouldn't be like punished for two players, like I don't, I I think they had a big enough squad as I may have mentioned a few times before <laughs> that they could have managed 
perfectly grand without them, to be honest. Yeah, it's. I think I, I feel for every player and every club involved because it, it's hard. And no. even you're trying to you're trying to get people to buy into the league. You're trying to get people to support the league, but like it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And as you said, like somebody next before next season, you have to logically sit down and set it out. Like not just in. I don't know. Make it up as they go along. Cause that's what they seem to have done. Cursing on last Amos, you'll be struck down. You heathen. <laughs> you will be. Struck. I always curse. <laughs> There's more cursing on this because of than your other pod because of me. Oh, I, I do apologize for calling you a heathen as well. That was not meant. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I've been called worse. John, Eileen mentioned it. The seven week break. No, I understand when they sat down to plan the season, they didn't know who was going to be in the World Cup squad. It turned out there was two Sharmac Rovers players. There might have been an expectation that maybe a Taro Hanlin. I don't know, maybe like an Aaron McLaughlin or somebody that there might have been a couple out of P-mounts maybe on the plane to Australia. But even if they thought it was going to be four or five players from the SSE or Tristy Women's Premier Division going to Australia, it was never justifiable to put a seven-week break in place, really, was it? No. And the other thing as well, like I wouldn't have a huge amount of sympathy for Sharma Grovers if they had been made to play through the World Cup because... They signed on your Gorman and and Abby Larkin in the off season, knowing that they were potentially going to the World Cup long yeah. before the break was ever announced. No, it was ridiculous. And look, you could have done something where you schedule, say, say for argument's sake, you did have Aaron McLaughlin or Tara Hannon that were going as well. You could have just scheduled a Sharon Grover's team out match, you know, during that window that could be could have been moved on. I mean a little bit of thought around what they do sometimes with European games and the men's side, seven weeks off was daft. Yeah. And the, the the fact that it carries on and we've we've a month between our two last games and the, the, our, our second last home game is a Wednesday night in the middle of nothing, you know, it's just, it makes no sense. It's very hard to figure out how, like you said, how someone could have looked at that schedule and said, yeah, that, that really works well. It, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, like my biggest bugbear is probably the smallest of the whole lot is the fact that we play treaty on a Wednesday night and there's, there's there's a schedule around the games on a Wednesday night and it's the second Wednesday night set of games. There was also our away game against treaty was also a Wednesday night. Now, I understand they have done it as much as they can geographically, but I think it's Sligo Rovers still have to travel into Dublin on the Wednesday night. And on the previous games, I think it was Bowes had to go to Sligo on the Wednesday night. So there's still one club on the road way outside of their geographical location. It's a part-time league. It's a non-professional league, no matter what Shamrock Rovers say or anything else. To me, there's no excuse for asking players to travel anywhere on a Wednesday night, no matter how geographically local it may be. It's just... It's just unnecessary and it's 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 uncalled for. And I think the midweek games, Wednesday night stuff has to stop next year would be my, as I said, my biggest bugbear. Is there an onus here on Eileen? And we've spoken about, we've spoken about Eileen Gleeson already, Eileen, and her role at the moment. But in her role that she works day to day in the FAI and not as national team manager, is there an onus on her to step in here and speak to the people running the league and point out the massive flaws in the scheduling and say, look, 
it's my job to develop women's football in this country. And as that person, this is what I want to see out of a league schedule next season. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's an onus on her, but for her, um, I think it's something that has to be looked at and whoever the senior manager will be, it's I think it's something that should be discussed with them because you want to be talking about a proper structure of home-based squads, not just when the manager happens to be in the country, you want a proper structure of them, even if that's maybe at like localised, like there's a Munster base, that there's a Dublin base, and instead of everyone having to go to Dublin as soon as the manager lands in the country... So, like, there has to be something wow. in it. Player welfare has to be... <laughs> player welfare has to be involved there. And as you said, like, I understand a midweek fixture, as John said, like, if it's something in around, like, a game has to be abandoned because as an association have seen the weather that's going to be there four weeks in it, four days in advance wow. or something like that. I understand sometimes... <laughs> I understand sometimes you'll, you can't avoid midweek fixtures, but fixing two rounds of fixtures for midweek when you have breaks left, right and centre. And like the other thing is, and now I will be killed for this, but in this squad, there was one National League player. Savannah was the only player in the squad, I think. Um, Are we going to have, like, seeing where it goes in the next while, if there's not going to be National League players called up, do we need to break the league for international games? I'm not sure if we do. Um, but I suppose time will tell time will tell with that. But like I think we're going down the route where like to be fair to Vera, Colin Bell before before her, they wanted the senior international players to be playing professionally and I understand why. So if that's the case and players that are home based aren't going to be called up. I don't know if you need to be breaking the league at all for international games. That's actually very interesting because I was going to ask the next question just on the presumption that there would be breaks next year f- for all the Nations League games. And obviously the Nations League is a new setup for the women's international teams. So it hasn't affected the league before. As I said, I was going to make the presumption that next year it was going to affect the, the league over maybe five or six different weekends where there would be no games. But you're actually arguing that well, there should be games because there may not be National League players involved in those international squads. I wonder how that would sit in FAI headquarters, to be honest. Yeah, like they are going to break it. I just think that's where you could probably use your midweek fixtures. So like why, like if <clears throat> if I have eight teams, one team has one player involved, then fine. Like that team can they can put, as I said, into, they can refix that. But again, we're talking about like the league and it running continuously. And if there's extra international windows now, it, I just think it's it's kind of the league becomes, can become very disjointed very quickly. And we obviously, I'd probably be, see more merit to it breaking for the under 19s than for, for seniors. But a lot of the time they're close enough anyway, but like every club, most clubs are affected by the under-19 international windows. By the senior international window, they're not. Yeah, that makes perfect so, sense. So there's a, lot, there's a lot to be taken into consideration so when scheduling next year's league, John. And as I said, it's, it's, it's a matter of those who made the decisions getting together. Like, Do the women's players, John, do you know, have they any representation? Is there anybody who can go in and speak on behalf of the players? when these schedule meetings are taking place and say, look, this is how the players view things, whatever those views may be. I mean, the PFAI, they don't represent the 
the women's players, I presume, because the women's players aren't professionals. So there's no body. The, the, the players have no voice in these discussions, do they? Yeah, the my experience to PFAI is that they don't really speak for amateur players. Um, if it was professional yeah. players within the women's game, which we do have a couple of now, um, or international players, they, they, they do support there. But in terms of is there someone, for example, speaking up on behalf of Galway, Treaty United and Cork City players for who might not have that representation at national level? Probably not. Um, if, if it's not coming directly from the clubs. I mean, I know the PFAI, you often see them tweeting about them visiting club, men's clubs um, and they'll put their photo with the squad up and talk about their discussions that they had. I've never seen one for a, a, a women's team. The only time I've ever seen the PFAI involved um, with a women's site, to be honest, and looked to their credit. It was the time that the the tracksuits changing in airports yeah. scandal hit us, um, you know, whatever that was, geez, five years, six years ago. Um, but no, in terms of Women's National League, I don't think the PFAI, I was going to say care, but I, 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 I don't think they would see that as their brief because they're not professional footballers and that's, that's their title. Again, they don't represent, my experience is yeah. they don't really care, or sorry, yeah. they don't really talk about amateur players on the inside either. And to be fair, you're right, and you won't see many pictures of Stephen McGuinness vis- visiting with men's first division clubs either. So, yeah, um, true. You're right. I I did have some email exchanges with the PFAI. I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, where they were actually going to come on and do the pod, and then I, I can say it was Ali Cal was actually going to come. We we're talking to Ali about doing it, and he was going to do it, and then he left the PFAI, and um, it just kind of died its own death. But he was saying that they represent the professional players, but they don't represent the amateur players in the country, which I found a bit like you know, but. Um, <laughs> we're really off on a tangent now better try to take this back to the at loan game so seeing as we've solved all next season scheduling <laughs> issues um, in 10 minutes there does Danny turn over Kieran killed off on Saturday so Eileen predictions well I back Cork City to be Dundalk <laughs> last night so I will remain the eternal optimist and yeah we're going to win 2-1 it, it, eternal <laughs> optimist of course which is it like Optimist, always the optimist. Two one city, two one city, John. Yeah, yeah. I, oh God, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm always sunny side up on these things as well. And the fact that Laura Shine played for the 19s and scored and got a bit has gotten a few more bit minutes under her belt and even even down, even back involved, it gives you another option. Yeah, I, I kind of a good feeling about the game. Deluded, like probably, but I have a good feeling about the game. So I'm going to go for a 2 0 win for City. Yeah, why not? 2 1 and 2 0. There's the experts' predictions for this week, anyway. Um, we didn't open the mailbag this week. We never put it out to say we were recording a pod. So there is actually nothing in the mailbag this week. And do you know what? It's worked out all right. We might. We might have nothing in the mailbag next week and the week after again, but um, we'll have to see. Listen, finally, Eileen, last words. just want to go back to something you said at the very start of the Athlone segment. Why would your brother and mother be giving out to you if you didn't um, say nice things about Kieran Kildoff? Okay, so remember when Kieran Kildoff came on loan to City? My brother was the ch- he was the chairman at the time. He's obviously fallen down the pecking order since... <sighs> Um, and Kieran adored to live, so he, he lived with Michael out in the Arsenal and Order. Um, so my mother now is 
like a super fan and he, he'd be a good friend of, of Michael still. Okay. A very nice fella and I'm delighted to see him doing okay, well. Okay, so is Mrs. Ring going to so be... So there you go now. Is Mrs. Ring going to be cheering and applauding now for Athlone and, and her little Kieran on Saturday? Um, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But she definitely, I'd say, will be in for a chat because she loves him. Okay. Do you love him as well? I love him as oh, well, yeah. So it's just a big... Nice lad. a big Kieran Kilduff love fest tonight, huh? John, how do you feel? There's no Yeah, what can we say? <laughs> I actually, I and I, I love Ken Kiernan as well, so I'm really biased. Oh, lads, I tell you, and I got some shit. <laughs> I got some shit for doing the shells pod last week, like, and it's nothing compared. Yeah, nothing look, compared to this. I'm supposed lovely. to be the shells fan, like. Yeah, of course you're the. You're, yes, of course you. They've had. They haven't invited me. You were the like, number one listener. Of them. Yeah, they had Sean. <laughs> they had Sean a cook on before me, which was. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have a chat with Shauna because, as you know, I she really love to go. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's very good. Yeah, thinking, brilliant. Yeah, they play us here in the last game of the season, so maybe we might get a, la- a guest on Last Damas that week. But if I take this back to Toe Tap Towers and say I want to get Shauna Cook on Last Damas, like the anti shells brigade are going to lose. Yeah, they're yes, going to lose their will. Like they're going to lose the will to live again. So we'll have to see what happens. It might not get through. It might not get through a board meeting. But look, I'll put it on the agenda and we'll see what'll happen anyway. <laughs> Guys, I think that's about the size of it. Anything more you want to say before we go, Eileen? Any last words? Wandering thoughts? Drive it. Drive. Drive it on now for the rest of the season, get a few wins, then we'll sign a few players and we're going to be challenging next year. No. Drive it on. Is drive that, it that's on. the way to go, isn't it? Whatever's left, four or five league games, just go out and yeah. head down and go for I it. I know it's it? hard, but just drive it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And screw trying to... Bit of pride yeah. in the jersey. Yeah. Screw trying to win a game 1-0 either lose it 4-2 or win it 3-0 you know I mean I think that's the way to go isn't it for the last few games and sad it like absolutely 4-4-2 four, four, get the ball <laughs> as a great man once said but that great man knows absolutely exactly. nothing about he's obsessed with Vera Poe the greatest thing ever like I mean Jesus he loves Christ like, he drive oh you God. cuckoo people don't understand no, no. <laughs> people will never understand what we put up with he's um John, finally, are you, are can we say that you're committing to Las Damas for the rest of the season? I mean, I didn't discuss this with you or anything, so I just told you on the spot there, though, so I do I'm apologize. Spot, I'm spot, but, you know, here it is. Damien, <laughs> Damien is announced he's gone. You know, Wayne is not coming on Las Damas because I couldn't listen to his pro Vera Pope bullshit. So, you know, I'm just asking you, are you willing to commit for the last few weeks of the season? Yeah, I go on, so sure. Just shoot ah, all the card over the There we go. Getting banned in the morning. <laughs> You're getting banned in the morning. Um, so on that note, I never like I mean me singing, holy Christ, on a I was gonna say national podcast. It's not a national podcast, but it is what it is. Guys, toe tappers, amigo, amiga, thanks to everybody for listening, taking part, joining us this week. Hopefully we will hear you all next week. Until then, adios. 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 The Other Three Amigos podcast with Damien Shreenan, Wayne Mullins and Declan McCormack. Three lads, one podcast.